we have to talk about his second email. He took a he took a play out of the uh, Scott E playbook and is just hitting us rapid fire with emails. It seems, which of course nothing against. You can always contact contact us, our fans or foes, if you hate us. But it was a really really interesting thing that we got asked. Basically, in as Zach mentioned, the uh, the girlfriend that Barry mentioned, she apparently asked him, "Well, what is a cinemodity?" And he gave it good old college try of explaining it to her, as he says, the best he could. She said she wanted to watch one. And he asked us, he went right to the source, do you have any suggestions on what we should watch as an introduction to cinemodities? Now, before we get any further into this, because I know Zach and I have given this some thought already, I think there's a disclaimer you wanted to put out, right? Yes, because we are recording the Hudsucker Proxy episode right now. We don't know how long this is going to take, and we don't want to rob that film of its overall conversation. Um, it's bad enough that the Shining episode is four hours long, the Hudsucker Proxy. If that's four hours, so be it, though. But it can't be because we pad it with a 45-minute uh, discussion about what should the first cinemati you expose someone to yes. should be so if this conversation goes longer than 20 minutes you will hear a beep here with rob giving a disclaimer where this will this conversation will later be a bonus episode bonus episode kids yeah right on okay then with that being said without any further ado we should get into this and i want to start Kind of with uh, with something that I have to mention before we get into the actual discussion, Zach. It relates to Barry's email. That's the inciting incident for me to say this, but I think it goes just for everybody in my life that I've ever encountered. You know, the weird words that I come up with, they don't change how the English language works. And not to pick on Barry, but every time I he knew said— you're, I knew you are bringing this up. Yeah, I knew you were going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I made fun of Scott E's spelling. I'm going to make fun of Barry's spelling. But cinemodity, of course, in its singular form, is C-I-N-E-M-O-D-D-I-T-Y. Like oddity. If you pluralize it, then you put the I-E-S. It's the same way any other word works. So, Barry, we got what you were saying, but you spelled the singular of cinemodity with an I-E. I hope that was, you know, just because you think it's a weird word, and I hope you're not going around spelling other words ending in I-E. So, come on, people. You know, it's the same thing with inferiority. People like, I can't spell it. If you know how to spell inferiority, you take out the F and you put an S-P. People drive me crazy, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh, no. Rob's going to make a comment. <laughs> Absolutely. So just a disclaimer, you know, I know that uh, one day we'll probably get like the uh, all the um, what the the spelling things like you see on the Internet where it shows like the upside down E's and the lines over stuff of how to pronounce certain things. We'll have to do like the uh, the dictionary for cinemodities one day and I'll have all these English language rules for it in there. OK, with that out of the way, we have to discuss what are our suggestions for introduction introductory cinemodities. And now, if you're a longtime listener, if you're a diehard fan, you know that this is a kind of qualification that we've given to things in the past, but I think it's always been for late-night movies, right? Like, we talked mm -hmm. about late-night, introductory late-night movies. And on my end, I know when I was thinking about it, the first thing I went to is our spreadsheet, and I did a Control-F on the collection of all, I think we said before, for everything we discuss, I keep a record of 
what did Zach say about the questions? What did Rob say about the questions and the snacks? And I looked for, you know, intro or introductory or introduction. And as it turns out, the only thing that at least I recorded in the spreadsheet that involves introductory was for a late night movie. And I don't think Zach's going to like this. The only thing that we had it under there for was Thumb Tannic and Frankenthumb. <laughs> oh, Jesus <laughs> Crappity. No, no. Yes, uh, that is certainly, I think Zach and I are in agreement. That is not an introductory cinemodity. I think we're split on the fact if you should ever watch those. Of course, Rob says you should always watch those. But we, we couldn't really go back to the spreadsheet, at least from our records, and answer this question immediately. So I think that led both Zach and I just going through the list of what we've done, trying to get some ideas. So I want to throw it over to Zach now, because from our pre-recording discussion, it seems like he's thought about this, uh, uh, or maybe not thought about it more, but has more of a definitive answer. So what are your thoughts on this, Zach? Well, okay, I've got two answers. i got my serious answer and my jokey answer, and I want to get the jokey answer out of the way. Okay. <laughs> All right. As Barry has laid out in his first email about his uh, numerous sex sessions, and we don't know if that's tied to the current girlfriend he has, so we don't True. know what sort of potential that, that Barry's packing right now. But in Another reason for the alias, of course. <laughs> yes, for many. We don't want to assume anything that Barry's up to. So... But in our second episode ever, the Fantastic Planet episode, Rob made the comment about late night movie. He said it should be played after sex. Oh, so yeah. I think is that after Barry is finished making love four times, he should put Fantastic Planet on. I'm glad you bring this up because I was going to say the same exact thing with the one change is being that this is how we delineate sex sessions. <laughs> the, end, the end of a viewing of Fantastic Planet. So you have sex, you watch Fantastic Planet. Once that's done, boom, that's one sex out of the way. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. I don't, know, I, I don't know how many times you can watch Fantastic Planet. That's what, 90 minutes long, give or take? I think a little shorter, but yeah, okay. yeah, it is, but, it is, it would add to the, um, the already limited amount of time you have in the night. <laughs> well, you have to do this sometime, maybe like on the winter solstice, you have as much night as possible. <laughs> it, it's like nighttime by like 3 PM and the sun doesn't come out until like 9 30 AM the following morning. You go so to maybe, Alaska <laughs> in a season where it's dark for a month and you, <laughs> there you, you go. Break, See? You break the four times record. <laughs> Easily at that point. Um, but yes, that's that's my joke answer. I love that as an idea of someone being like, okay, but honey, I'm tired. I have I have a I have a like road rash. We gotta <laughs> get through it again so we can watch Fantastic Planet. I love it. Yes, it's it's, it's a fabulous idea. Um anyway, though, serious answer. And before I give that, I just want to say that uh, Barry, if you are doing a cinemati, I think Rob and I have never determined this. Um, are Cinemati and Late Night Movie mutually exclusive? Like, can you mm. show somebody, like we've said about like, oh, whether something is late night worthy, but could you pick something from the canon and show it at like two in the afternoon on a Sunday? That's a good question. I, I think in, you know, maybe in the ambiguous way we've talked about some of them, sure. Um, especially, you know, when, you know, I think we're just talking about nighttime is when it's dark out <laughs> that kind of throws some of the rules out the window, but, but that's a good question. I, I could get behind that. You know, um, if, if we do have, you know, an afternoon viewing, 
you can bend the rules a little bit, especially if it's to show somebody uh, a cinemodity or something that, you know, I think that we love on this podcast, and we'll allow it. I do have to push back a little upon that, okay. because I don't think we've ever... I think this is a. I know we've talked about the origins of cinematis as a podcast, and this is like a thing that we do here. But I know on I forget what whatever it was. I think it might have been the Eraserhead bonus features that David Lynch is talking, and he's like, I know a lot of people when they start dating somebody new, they show them Eraserhead as a way to test the waters of the relationship. <laughs> yeah, and I think that is kind of like one of the earliest germs of cinematis. The oh, yeah. idea of it's getting like a read on a person, d- depending on what kind of weird ass movie you show them. Definitely, it's a it's a, a litmus test of some sorts. Sure, and I think I, I've always I think again, uh, Eraserhead being the OG late night movie because the rules always used to have used to be, and they still are that if you show somebody Eraserhead, it has to be after ten p.m. True. You you cannot show that to somebody on like a Sunday at two p.m. That's that's a no no. We revoke your cinemonities card if you do that. <laughs> You're banned from the restaurant. So I guess for the sake of my perspective, I'm going to say this is something you must show somebody at night. Okay. Okay. I could get it, I could get behind that for this recommendation, especially I I like that you brought that up. You know, especially because uh, the way that Barry worded it is that you know we're looking for an introductory cinemonity. Um, you're watching it, or he is watching it uh, with this significant other in some capacity. Uh, it it kind of it fits the motif of how we discuss this stuff to show it to them at night, show it to them as an end of day type of thing, and you're going to get that, as we always say, you know, that kind of reaction from somebody and that discussion. So okay, I, I can work with that. Yeah, because I did give this a lot of thought, and the weird sort of thing that this film has to do, whatever we recommend, is that it has to be potent. Mm-hmm. But not so jarring that it scares somebody away. Oh, it ha- yeah, it has multiple layers it has to be functioning on, or else it's it's gonna have a problem. And that was my biggest thing. So I'm like, okay, we have a bunch of cinematics that are very very potent mm-hmm. and, and really encapsulate what this podcast is about. But I'm afraid if you show them to somebody, they're either not gonna appreciate it, or it'll require an insane amount of context before you put it on. Because yes. the first film I went with was The Cat in the Hat. And I realized someone's going to be like, wait, Mike Myers' Cat in the Hat, how is that weird? And then if you show that to them, they're like, it's just a kid's movie. And I'm like, no, and you have to explain like why this is so odd. And it's the notion of, in another way, maybe we have to refine the Cinematis label, is that something that's just to be blatantly weird. It should take no yeah. effort to explain, like, oh, this is bizarre in some capacity. And um, that's why I eventually decided upon one. Of the, actually, and I have to admit, part of this, part of the reason why I chose this is was that it's been in my mind lately. But I think it's everything that we we kind of weirdly enough judge a cinematic by. Mm-hmm. It was our first film in a uh, beyond the sampler patter, the Book of Henry. Oh, okay, okay. I'm I'm glad. That. Sure, sure. Uh, I I'm t- in total agreement with what you said about the potency of it, but you can't. Pick something that's you know too over the top or requires context because when I first started thinking about this, my gut reaction, as it usually is, you know, when like I say, when I have someone in my clutches, is to show them the things that you know I love and I really f- put into these categories. And one of the things that will always come to mind is Animal Collective's Odd Sack. 
But then immediately I was like, well, no, that is not introductory because <laughs> not only will the visuals throw people off, the music will throw people off as well in kind of the, the roller coaster of genres and styles that that visual album goes through. So I'm with you there completely. And I, I think this is, a, this is great the, to segue into well, what you actually thought of because of all the ones that I was thinking of, I certainly also had Book of Henry on the forefront of my mind. Because it is um, uh, tractable in some way. People can, you know, latch onto it, understand what's going on immediately. It functions as a movie in that sense. And like I've said on this podcast and to other people before, The Book of Henry is one of the worst movies I've ever seen. But there is so much to say about it and to react to it. And I think that's what we want from an introductory cinemodities, that pairing of it's it's reachable to people, but at the same time, you're going to be like, wait, what? Hold on, what's happening? Who's this? Like, wh- what is going on as you watch the movie? And you're going to get that reaction that you you really want from an introductory cinemodity. Yeah, no, I, I agree. So what did you pick? Um, so Book of Henry was definitely up there. Uh, the other thing I was thinking, I, I, first, I was really liking the idea of Gremlins 2. I thought that would be a good one. But I put that a little below the Book of Henry because I think Gremlins is something that um, has a lot of preconceived notions about it. And it might be a little too goofy for an introductory. Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the preconceived notions, it's like, oh, it's Gremlins. What's weird about it? And I think even though a lot of people have forgotten that movie, there is a a fan base for it. people know what they're getting involved with like everybody even if you've never seen the new batch you know gizmo mm-hmm. oh yeah and i think it's a little too just recognizable it doesn't have that like unfamiliarity that cinema like a cinema should make you a little uneasy like what am i getting myself involved with yes yes i i definitely like that so i think i think of course book of henry is at the top for me gremlins 2 was um i was throwing around in there um, the other ones that came to my mind, I was definitely thinking um, something like, you know, uh, another maybe big blockbuster that you can latch onto, but it is just crazy. I was thinking Gods of Egypt in that sense. Sure. That I feel like that could be a little, you know, off-putting just because it is such a, a weird type of universe, whereas the Book of Henry, you know, you're just kind of in reality. But the other one I wanted to get your opinion on was Annihilation. <laughs> I I think that, you know, that one is something that encapsulates, uh, maybe we never said it explicitly on Cinemodities, but, you know, it kind of starts off, it's a little weird, you get what's going on, but as the movie progresses, and eventually when you get to the lighthouse at the end, it's kind of like, you know, what is this? This is super strange, I didn't expect the movie to go this way, and it makes you think. So that's another one I had up there. Yeah, I, I definitely, after Book of Henry, started pulling from the Pure Cinemati series, mm-hmm. because that's like the obvious place to go, just, it's in, it's in the name. <laughs> yes. And and yeah, I thought about Annihilation, Nothing But Trouble would be another one, but I still have a hard time recommending that, because it's still that awful 4 by 3 aspect ratio. Mm-hmm. Like it's In my eyes, it's an incomplete presentation. Sure. But I think the content is there. I think you could show that to people. It has that enough of a familiarity with Chevy Chase, Demi Moore, Chris Farr, no, uh, what's his name? John Candy. Yep. And you could sit there and be like, oh, okay. And then you get to the strange aspects of, of Dan Aykroyd's uh, Ding Dong Nose and uh, a Bobo and, uh, oh, God, what's his name? Lil Devil. Hi, I'm Bobo. That's Lil Devil. 
Hi. We're not allowed in the house. Little devil. That I could get, but I think under the skin would be my follow-up. Ooh. I think that's Ooh. weird enough, but you have ScarJo in there. People are like, oh, I'm going to watch an alien movie with Black Widow. And then you get a deformed man, and you get uh, the rape in the woods, mm-hmm. and you get her the baby taken. screaming on the beach. <laughs> yes, you get all those sort of good things. And um, I would love to do it as a prank, I should say. That I know when, like, when Twilight came out, when, uh, not Twilight, um, Fifty Shades of Grey came out, they, in certain theaters, they, like, made mistakes. Instead of playing whatever kitty movie that was coming out, they played Fifty, they played the opening of that instead, and a bunch of, like, mothers <laughs> complained. Okay. I would love nothing more than for showings of the Black Widow movie in a couple of months. It's <laughs> under the skin. Oh, my God. That would be something else to hear, that, hear the reactions. That's what I want to do. But, um, but yeah, I would say number one has to be Book of Henry. It's, mm-hmm. It has that familiarity. You have Naomi Watts. You have Jacob Tremblay. You have Dean Norris. You have all those cast of characters, Lee Pace. And you get like, it gets stranger and stranger as the film goes on. Like, like Rob said, yeah. uh, 11-year-old selling stocks on the payphone outside of his school. Like, come on. <laughs> that's first five minutes. Oh yeah, absolutely. Another one that I wanted to see what you thought, Zach, was um, that I I think I recommend to a lot of people because, as we discussed in our episode for it back in Monstober, uh, it doesn't get the love that it deserves. But Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. That comes with the branding. People will be mad because it's not. Where, where's yeah, Michael Myers? Sure. And, okay. And, and yeah. Their brain turns off at that point. Mm, okay. And but the person showing it to the uh, the other would have to go. No, wait. He's going to show up in one scene. Don't worry. <laughs> And don't worry, he'll also show up in Adventures in Babysitting for one sound cue. <laughs> yeah. Okay, yeah, it's it's got to be Book of Henry. Uh, I think that's part of the reason we discussed it so early, is that, you know, whether or not we knew it back then, you know, at the start of this podcast, that it was certainly a cinemodity. It, it's introductory uh, in a lot of ways. And it really is, like I said, it, it's a terrible movie. But, man, there is so much to discuss about it. Like, I, I could, geez, I could keep talking about that movie it's insane (laughs) it is a masterpiece of awful oh oh yeah uh book of hank good old book of hank and i I guess you know i have to say if you uh if you ever want to show off some of the weirder cinemodities you know as you maybe kind of ramp up that's something that we could kind of you know maybe give a, a roadmap to as the as the future goes on i'm just when i was putting my mind to this and thinking about it i was eventually like well okay Uh, I think it just goes without saying, anytime you run uh, an establishment such as the restaurant that we do, if people start asking, you know, for these kind of, these obligations or these recommendations, you know, they might want more. And so what happens if we tell Barry about this and then he goes, okay, well, what's the next one? What's the next one? What's the next one? So He's chasing the dragon at that point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe we'd have to come up with kind of like a, a gradual increase in cinemodities that would end on an odd sack or you know, like a, an eraser head type of thing or things of that nature. But uh, I think that's a discussion for another time, of course. I guess the the uh, another question I guess we have to answer is if you do want that extreme, like if, if Barry wants to push his girlfriend into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, I think as everything we've covered so far, the deepest deep end would have to be Wonder Shows and right. Oh, oh, yeah. Of just pure insanity. Absolutely. And and something that still is tractable because, you know, that I've lived through it with, with Odd Sack is because if you watch Odd Sack, you're like people's brains just turn off. 
wonder shows and there's there something to be like, okay, you know, if they're not completely blown away by how fast paced some of it is, it's still like, okay, there's puppets, there's colors, there's things to look at where odd sack is like, you know, you get 15 minutes in and it's just like seven minutes of static on the screen. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, that's, yeah, that's the weird thing. It depends on how esoteric your, your personal tastes are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Wonder shows in odd sack. I think they, they both sit fine. Um, everything else, I don't think there's anything else we've gone that out and out. Like that's the weird thing about Cinemati, though. Is the Cinemati has to be bizarre unintentionally. Sure, sure. And I think that's where something like Book of Henry excels. Because I was even thinking about like also Mandy, Jason Goes to Hell, the Ted Bundy movie. Mm-hmm. Like, the Ted Bundy movie requires a lot of context. Oh, like, yeah. oh, the director's a pervert and um You have to to break through the wall of where it's like it's okay that we are going to laugh at this movie. It's okay, (laughs) we're laughing at the movie, not the victims. Yes, Um, that requires some effort, though. But even something like Mandy, it's it's designed to be weird. You know, it is. Uh, Jason goes to hell. It's designed to be weird, and there is that kind of this oddity aspect of making a movie that ends up being the exact opposite again. Colin Madman Trevorrow was making the Book of Henry. He thought he was making a movie for everybody, and he ended up making a movie for two guys that host a, a second-rate po- Star Wars, uh, second-rate movie podcast. Oh, we can't be a second-rate Star Wars. Can we be a fifth, fifteenth-rate Star Wars podcast? Because we have done <laughs> sure. one episode on Star Wars. We have done one. So technically, and it we was do fo- right before the Book of Henry. Look at that. <laughs> yes, it was. Uh, it all ties together. Um, but yeah, Book of Henry. That is. And I guess I should say that I guess maybe not to tip the hand too far as to who Barry's uh, real identity is, but we do know for a fact that he purchased a VHS copy of Meet Joe Black. That's so right. I, so I think, even though I don't think uh, Meet Joe Black is anywhere near as bizarre, I guess maybe we could say Gili. Would Gili be another cinematity? Like, mm. would you recommend that? That's uh. That's yeah, weird. I, That's weird. weird. And if you have someone who's going to sit down and you know watch it and pick up on those things, and uh, yeah, I could get behind that too. Yeah, I, I think so. I think, but you have to really be kind of. Gili is a lot goofier. Yes. Than Book of Henry is, but like in a more intentional way. Like there's a lot more. It's just. Uh, it's just more. What's the word? Uh, lighthearted. Where Book of Henry takes itself insanely too seriously. <laughs> yeah. When when Henry's like. Why are people mean to other people? And Naomi Watts is like, shut up. We're in the supermarket. <laughs> I need to buy this gallon of milk. Shut up. We're in bed together, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> My underage child. Um, yeah, that's, uh, uh, oh, God, Sarah Silverman kissing him on. The- okay, I'm sorry. I got to rephrase that. Amy Winehouse <laughs> Silver Sarah I can't even say it. Amy Winehouse Sarah Silverman kissing an underage child on the lips. And it not being like lighthearted or like sentimental. Like it's going for romance. Yeah, it's oh, it's so strange. It's so it's that not. whole movie is so strange. Goddamn book of Henry, man. What's oh, gonna yeah. happen, Rob, when that movie like becomes a like I have a feeling that that will eventually become a cult classic in the way that you and I kind of quote unquote appreciate it and what are we gonna do then we're no longer can be like the contrarians and be like we like this movie because it's so weird it is and then <laughs> it's like oh a bunch of normies glom onto it the same way they glommed onto the room mm-hmm. what are we gonna do uh, i don't know G- keep going with our lives <laughs> I, I guess i guess that's the easiest answer but i don't know how to live with myself colin trevorrow he's out there like tommy was so being like 
I made this on purpose. It's a dark comedy. It's like, no, no, it's not. It's an insane movie, you monster. Oh, okay. We could do that. We could run like a uh, like a counter media thing where we we tell everybody that Colin Madman Chavarro is wrong. <laughs> I like that. I think I think we should do that in general. Whether that be Book of Henry, Jurassic World, <laughs> every Just single so one short. of movie. That, that's will... one way to get him like on our podcast or talking to him. If we just, you know, neg him, <laughs> <laughs> he feels compelled to defend himself eventually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Or maybe for Jurassic World three. Do we do we know the subtitle of that yet? Is, is there a subtitle for uh, dinosaur uh, uh, dinosaurs with a vengeance? Uh, not that I've heard, but I I do actively like the Marvel movies. Actively try not to think about okay. dinosaurs anymore. <laughs> you know, I just realized, Rob, when we do our uh, summer blockbusters two thousand one fort year, we're gonna have to take a break for Jurassic World three dinosaurs oh, with a vengeance. God. <laughs> no well uh, yeah, I, I have exactly. a love-hate relationship i like i don't like dinosaurs anymore or ever but i i do have to see madman movies that's the weird thing we've made colin trevorrow into this weird sort of just like folk hero and like directors yeah. in the sense of like we don't like him as a filmmaker but like there's no way to not talk about it. like again he's a bad writer again i think i said before he's an adequate director but he's not a he's a horrible, horrible writer. But like I want to see the stupid stuff he comes up with. I, I just <laughs> I need I need to consume his content. It's like it's it's drugs. It's like I don't want to do it, but I need to. I need that high. You're Jones we're Jonesing for sure. We are Jonesing for a Colin <laughs> Madman Trevorrow high. Um so yeah, I hope I hope Barry you appreciate appreciate this sort of insight. I think we even if you don't want to cover the book of Hank. And or you've already watched that. We'd love to know what you eventually show her. Mm -hmm. Clearly, we our entire canon is available for you to look at. Yep. Or you could always pull the weird like Trump card and watch 2002 commercials with Grimace and Donald Trump. You could always do a really (laughs) out of left field choice that we'd even (laughs) consider. Um, We would love to know. And if anybody else out there has ever tried to expose a loved one or a friend to uh, anything in our canon, we would be delighted to hear it. Yeah, we would love to hear reactions. We would love to hear if uh, snacks were had during the film. All those things. Um, And of course, I did want to say with this whole kind of recommendation we're doing, no matter what movie you choose to watch, make sure somewhere else in your house, apartment, wherever you live, Pixel Perfect is streaming on Disney+. Plus. Even though we... Even though we haven't been including that uh, disclaimer at the start of episodes anymore, that should still be playing in the background until... Uh, Disney, it goes off of Disney Plus, or I don't know, you you forget to pay your electricity bill, <laughs> or they pull it for some arbitrary reason off the streaming service. I hope it never, hope that never happens. <laughs> Becomes so popular, like it's like I know like, where like market research data comes out, and it's like Pixel Perfect, perfect most streamed thing on Disney Plus, and there's like a bidding war for like all the others, like Netflix wants it, Hulu wants it. Where's Ricky Holman? What's he doing <laughs> these days? We need to get him back. <laughs> Wait, Loretta Modern aged? How can she age? She's a computer program. <laughs> oh, jeez. She's oh, that was ghost now. Yeah, that would be insane. A, a sequel or a soft reboot of that movie. <laughs> I even thought about including Pixel Perfect. And I realized, like, again, by it being a Disney Channel movie, people would just like, even though it's I think I think Pixel Perfect is almost on the same level as a Book of Henry. But sure. I think I think just the baggage of being a Disney movie, it's like, no, people would just automatically dismiss it. 
Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the kind of bummer about a lot of these for introductory because there is baggage that comes with them. But, you know, once you break through that introductory, once there's kind of more understanding with whoever you're showing this to of what a cinematity is or, you know, what to expect from it, then, you know, then the gates are open. Yeah, I think that even could be an interesting idea for a series. Rob and I pick some movies that are like introductory. It's like straight out of the gate. Like, okay, if you're showing something to someone, it can has to be odd, yet not jarring. It has no baggage and requires no context. Yeah, yeah. That, and that's, that's, that's how you prime the pump so you can work up to, you know, eventually showing your significant other R. Kelly's trapped in the closet. <laughs> All 48 chapters. <laughs> The package. Still, when when I like when I tell people about that, they're like. Oh, that's a music video, right? And like they open the file. It's two <laughs> hours long. <laughs> and it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> at, at, if you show uh, a loved one the whole all of that in its entirety, the p -p -p package ends up being divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. And the divorce papers are sung by R. Kelly himself. <laughs> <laughs> he needs some money now. His legal bills are adding up. Yep, E major all day.